Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. All right, friends, welcome. Episode 44 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I am Kevin DeShazo, along with my co-host, Mark Hodgkin. We're excited to be back with you guys, um, talking about leadership, talking about culture, talking about mindset. I hope you guys love the episode 43 with Sue Thaden. Incredible leader, incredible story, um, doing amazing things. If you haven't listened to that one, make sure you go check it out. But Mark, how are things going your direction? Yeah, we're uh, we're doing okay, hanging in here down in down in Florida. Obviously, we're in the news a lot these days, but um, you know it's going okay. Uh, work is work is challenging for for me and my company, like everybody else. You know, uh, it, live events are still not back, so ticketing is is tough business right now. But it's forced us to kind of look at some other things and assess what we're doing. And you know, there's there's always some opportunity in there as well. But uh, you know, looking forward to to uh, the fall, you know, we're still, who knows when this goes out and what the story is then, but, uh, you know, feeling like uh, we have some things to look forward to uh, in the fall, some sense of normalcy, at least. Yeah, it's interesting. So as as we record this uh, August 6th, as of today, appears that we're still going to have fall sports Um, in the last 24 hours or so, the NCAA, they've canceled fall championships for D2 and D3. D1 hasn't decided. Um, but football appears to be appears to be moving forward, um, and and we know we have people on the pro sports um, side listening to this as well. We've obviously, you know, we've had MLS, we've had uh, professional women's soccer, we've had professional women's basketball, we've had the NBA, we've had professional lacrosse, uh, Major League Baseball, even with some hiccups. Um, we've had golf. I think uh, PGA Championship starts today as we record this, and so sports have been going on for the last month or so, which has been great. Um, to have some sense of, of normalcy. You know, we were talking before we started recording, everyone kind of thought we'd be somewhat back to normal uh, by August. And, and in some ways we are, in some ways certainly we aren't. Um, but to have some live sports back, it kind of gives us that sense of normalcy, gives us an outlet, um, gives us something to, to enjoy and entertain us in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great to have sports back, you know, especially the things we've gone through as a country, you know, in the last, four or five months. I mean, again, sports are not as important as life and death, but I think they are, um, are important, uh, especially to our society and, you know, how we interact. It's where we can find some common ground. You've seen sports be able to make positive impact in all sorts of ways after really a lot of the challenging moments in, in our country's history. And, you know, we hope this is, uh, another chapter of that because it does have the, the ability, uh, to bring, bring people together. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to, uh, Dr. Richard Lapchick at UCF recently. He's a, a fascinating story. Um, he's been really a civil rights pioneer for for decades. Um, he was uh, he got to start actually by meeting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a 14-year-old, and his father was one of the uh, I think the first coach to have black players in the NBA. And you know he he was talking a little bit about how sports have these unique ways to bring people together and to raise awareness of certain issues. You know, so again, while while sports aren't uh, aren't life and death. And there's obviously more important things. I, I still, I think I believe, and I, I think probably most people listening, if you, if you love sports and you love working in sports, that it does play a role in, you know, how we can move forward in a lot of different ways. Yes, that's right. I, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about, we see people every now and then say we, we put too much value on sports, uh, but I think sports are significant, right? And, and uh, they do play a large role in society in bringing people together and pushing issues forward and helping us view things in a different way. Um, and so it's, it's good to have them back. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, you know, it, it, in these times, it's fascinating when you, when you think about leadership. Um, there's those who get really negative and cynical um, and those who are hopeful and optimistic and have, have positive leadership. Um, and, and I think that has played out with this whole sports thing, Right. Um, we, we talked about before in, in March and April, when things kind of started to go off the rails, there, there's a, a pretty large contingency of people who, who crossed their arms, stuck their foot in the ground and turned and said, nope, no more sports in 2020. Not going to happen. Shut it down. It's not safe. We're all going to die. Not gonna, no, no, no more sports. And what that didn't do is create any change. Right? Like, 
Um, and I and I get there, there's fear, that's and that's natural in some of these situations. But what happened is that leaders showed up and said, "Hey, things are difficult, and but we can still have sports. We can still there's a there's something there's a vision of live sports that we can pursue, um, and it may not look like it used to. That's okay. Um, it may be different, and we're going to face new challenges." That's okay, but we can still just because we can't do what we did doesn't mean we can't do something. Uh, and so those leaders, they had a vision and they moved things forward. They were hopeful, they were optimistic, uh, and that doesn't mean they were um, ignorant of reality uh, or of the situation. Right? Like they, they, people know what's going on. I mean, they, they, they've had their seasons canceled. They've had all sorts of things. They're, they're facing their own hardships. But they said, in spite of that, we're going to find a way forward. And I think the NBA, I think a lot of these these, these pro sports leagues are great examples. Um, but the NBA, I think, is doing one of the best jobs. MLS is doing a great job as well um, of creating a unique environment, keeping people safe, and saying but we can still put you know, the NBA season does not look like it did when we stopped it in March. But we're still having an NBA season. Uh, and I think that's – it's having they, – they had the vision, and they – it, it's maybe a small win, maybe a big win, but they, they went and had some small wins along the way so that they could have um, have a season, have try to finish the season. And again, those are, those are the leaders that show up in tough times and move things forward. It's really easy to get fearful and cynical and negative, um, but those people aren't going to make anything better. They're not going to change anything. They're not going to move anybody forward. Um, we'd still be stuck in, in a March mindset or in an April mindset, right, if, if that was the way we, we led. Um, but with those forward-thinking, optimistic leaders, like optimistic leaders make things happen when nobody thinks they can. And so it's been fun to watch that, but I think that's a lesson for all of us. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we talked about it really early, and we've, we've talked about this so much, um, either on the podcast or just, you know, via text and, and phone, that, um, you know, when it, when it comes back, it's going to be in a way that a lot of us just couldn't picture, you know? And it's like, that's where I say we were talking about the football season and, and, and what, what's that going to look like? And, and my approach kind of is there's a very good chance it'll happen. There's a very good chance it'll happen in a way that we can't visualize right now because, you know, it's not, we're not in it as deep. We're not the ones who are going to be crafting the decision, but man, thank, thank you to the people who are doing that, who are able to get in and say, listen, here's the, here's the things we can't negotiate. You know, player safety is one of them getting games on TV is probably another one, you know, the, and money drives this, right. We're not, we're not naive to say that uh, the resource the NBA have is different than the resources NCAA division three has, but I, I think it's, it really is neat that, you know, you can just clear all this stuff out of the way and just say, how can we get this done? Not, not what is the problem? Cause you can find a million reasons not to do it. Like you can find a million reasons not to do anything. So really cool, really inspiring. You know, it's, it's, it's great that we're seeing the games and there's just so many people behind the scenes to make this work. It's, it's really amazing when you think about it. Absolutely. And so we'll dig into that a little bit um, and, and kind of the mindset within, within that and what it looks like in the midst of chaos, in the midst of frustration, in the midst of adversity. Um, yes, you may have this big vision, but what does it look like to go get small wins? What does it look like to get simple wins? that actually keep you going. That's the topic of discussion uh, coming up in episode 44 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. All right, so Mark, so we're talking about small wins and and small wins are not always sexy wins, right? Like we want, we want the massive growth in terms of like, you know, we're getting stronger or weight loss, massive change. And we wanna go from zero wins to 10 wins. We want, you know, we always look for for the shiny thing, um, for the big successes, and th those are good, right? But those those don't come <laughs> automatically. Those don't come overnight. Those those are the result of hundreds, thousands, however many of small wins along the way, um, and it's those small wins that actually keep us going. And so when we talk about the season that we're in, and this applies to any season really, but um, it, it it can seem really difficult. Like the big vision, like let's just say playing college sports. Um, that seems like today a big vision, maybe an impossible vision. Can we even get to that place? Seems overwhelming. And, and again, we're not going to flip the switch and be there. You know, it, I think a lot of these athletic directors and, and commissioners and presidents, like they've probably in their mind decided early on where we want to play sports, right? This is who we are. This is what we do. There's, there's a lot at stake if we don't, right? You think of a, of a division one athletic department, if they don't have football, um, that's, that's a lot of jobs lost, um, in the athletic department, in the community, like that's, it's a pretty devastating thing. 
And so they've decided early on, this is what we do. We, we play sports. Um, and so we're going to do it, but that can seem overwhelming. And so you like, how do you, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. And so they have to break that down into small, small wins. They're not going to flip a switch and just suddenly play sports. It's, it's a long process. So what, like for, for you and, and just in general in life, how do you approach this idea of, yeah, you have a big vision, but I've got to get small wins along the way, some daily wins um, to keep you moving forward. I think when it comes down to it, we all know this intellectually. We all know that you know you're not going to start working out, and in a week, you're going to you have a six pack or, or or run a marathon or whatever your goal is. We know that nobody would say, you know, if I work really hard for the weekend and I lift a lot of weights this weekend, you know, I'm going to be bench pressing a new max or twice what I'm doing today. Nobody thinks that nobody knows. Everybody knows that's not how it works. Um, but we, I think we're lulled into this kind of feeling when you see, like, what are the stories you read? You read the stories about the guy holding up a size, you know, 65 pants. And then, you know, six months later, he's, you know, a size 35 or 34 or whatever. And, you know, we see those things. We see the guy who started the company in his in his dorm room and sold it for a billion dollars. I mean, those are the stories you see. So you're almost like subconsciously uh, getting this idea that these overnight success happen. And and to quote a great drive by trucker song, I like uh, most things are overnight sensations after 25 years. You know, it's what just takes those slow, small, steady steps. And um, you know, to me, I think one, yeah. You have to do some planning out to like identify what are the things that are gonna that I can do every day and work into my current routine that I can just click get some momentum. You know what I mean? It's like you see this in sports all the time. Like I just need some LeBron just needs to make a couple jump shots and he's in rhythm. You know, he just needs to need to get a couple layup and you loosen up and then you're you're ready to go. So I think it's like identifying some of those things on the small scales that you know that okay, if I did this for 30 days, I want to see some tangible progress. It's like that old, the, the push-up challenge that was big when we started this whole pandemic. I wonder how many people are still doing it. But, you know, if you do five today, six tomorrow, seven the day after, you know, you actually do see quite a bit of, of, uh, uh, of progress. But I think one is kind of putting on the blinders a little bit and saying, I'm going to focus instead of the end goal. And again, you need end goals to kind of force the issue. But once you identify that, you kind of have to pull that back and say, okay, what can I do for this week? Then how can I improve on it next week? Then how can I do it? And all of a sudden, you know, you have some, some progress. And I think, you know, progress is a process, right? It's like, again, you don't, you don't just wake up and, and, and get the gold. You don't just wake up and, and hit your goals. Um, and like I said, we all know this, um, but we live in such a, not to tie everything back to the book, but I talk about this in the book a lot. And in my latest book, it's like we live in this drive-through culture. You can drive through and get your money out of the bank. You can drive through and get your prescriptions, drive through, get your food, drive through and get your, your dry cleaning. Um, you can drive through and get almost anything. Well, you don't drive through and get better, right? It's like, that's just, that's just not how it works. You don't drive through and, and hit your goals. It's, it's a process. And, you know, I was, I was looking, I was trying to find the details as you were talking about, I remember John Gordon, um, his, his first book that became a bestseller, the energy bus. Well, he said it sold, it sold 200 copies in the first week. Um, and, but it took five years for it to become a bestseller. Well, that didn't mean he just sat around waiting, right? He kept writing, right? He kept writing new books, um, and getting better and perfecting his craft. And now 20, 2020, I don't know when that book came out. Um, but it's, it's, you know, he's probably, it's still on the bestsellers list every now and then a couple times a year, that book still hits a bestsellers list along with a few other of his books. But it's it's he didn't just wake up and become a best-selling author, right? He he woke up and wrote and kept writing and kept writing and kept writing and kept refining that craft, kept speaking, kept kept clarifying the message. And so it's like for us, whatever whatever we're pursuing, you know, I, I like to run a lot. Um, let me clarify that. I like to run often. I don't like to run a lot of miles, short distances, three to five, six miles, um, but. One of the things with, with running is like, let's say you want to run a marathon. Um, you don't just set out to run a marathon. Like I said, A, you train, right? You first, you got to run a mile, right? You got to, you got to run a mile first. And then maybe it's a 5k and then maybe it's five miles, but even on a race day, it's, you're getting these small wins. Like you don't just show up to the, to the starting line and then you're at the finish line. 
Like you've got to run that first mile and you've got to find, you find these markers along the way and those become your small wins of like, okay, I can get to that stop sign. Okay. Now I can get to that street corner. Okay. Now I can get, and all those little small wins ultimately add up and you get to where you want to be. Uh, but you don't just wake up and get there, right? It's it's this consistent, it's, it's discipline. Um, having the discipline to show up um, and commit to that process, which isn't sexy, right? The, the work isn't sexy, but the work is the shortcut. It's like, that's that's how you get better. That's how they're going to have a season, if they do, because they've shown up and you know made these plans, done this work, put these things into place. All these different things each day, inching them a little bit closer. So whatever that goal is, right? If you want to, if you want to start a business, you're not going to be a profitable biz- business day one. If you are, like, it's it's pure luck. I, w- I would ju- I'll just say that it's pure luck. Um, it will take time, right? And you're going to fail and you're going to fall on your face, but you keep showing up, and eventually you become this thing that you're you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and it's it. I, we talk about the New Year's resolutions a lot, you know, and the the. It's great to have big goals. You know, I don't think anybody would say it's it's not good to have big goals. But we also always know those people who they're never going to just do something. They're never going to tweak. They're going to do something over the top. You know what I mean? I, I we all know them, right? And and you kind of get to a point where you don't believe what they're going to say. And I think most people probably believe that way internally, even in their internal dialogue, when they have a a, a, tra- a track record of of not getting things. So like th- to be able to to notch those small wins, I think they have to be, you know, I, I think there's also a way to do right or wrong, or I should say good or bad, uh, small wins. You know, they have to be compact. I think they have to be tangible. You know what I mean? They have to be things that are, are not super important on the face of it, but you can check them off the list every day. You know what I mean? And we talked about, um, I think it was, it was Jerry Seinfeld who, uh, when he was talking to a comic about, you know, how he wrote every day and he was writing jokes every day. He's like, I need to, I've got one of those big calendars, you know, the ones that are on old fashioned desks that, that have, they're just huge. And he says, every day I write a joke, I've drawn X through the, the day. And like, once you get to the, like day four or five, you don't want to break the chain. You don't want to break the, the chain. And I think that's, that's like the thing you can do is find something that's seemingly not important, but you know what, after 10 days of writing a joke a day, you have 10 days, like for his business, that's like a, a portion of a comedy routine, you know, so like that's, that's tangible. So you have to kind of think about how do I have concrete and identify those. And that kind of goes to the planning, like I was talking about, but that attracts a positive energy with yourself. Um, you get more confidence undoubtedly. If you can say like, Hey, I did that. I, I worked out every morning this week. You know, one of the workouts was, five minutes or something like I, I, we talk about you, you, uh, run, I, uh, I have a rowing machine that I've just, I just love in the morning. And, you know, when I have trouble with it, there's two things I kind of do. One is I identify, um, just getting on that, right. I just need to just get on it somehow. And I tell myself sometimes, uh, just get 15 minutes on this thing and then get breakfast and you get your coffee and you're good for it. Just 15 minutes you never stop after 15 minutes once you get going, you know? And the other thing is, and I think you've talked about this too, it's identifying that this is what I do. Like I row every morning. So when you internalize it like that, it sounds really kind of hokey and cheesy that like I'm laying there in bed at 5.30 in the morning going, I don't want to get up, but it's like you row every morning. That's who you are and that's what you do and that's your identity. And I think that's really important too. And that can kind of get you over the hump maybe on some of these small things. I'm a writer, you know, writers write. Everybody who says that, you know, you're not a writer because you have a book. You're not a writer because you wrote a book 20 years ago. You're a writer because you get down at the at the computer every day and, and you write. And you know, you you string those things together and, and just amazing things happen. So those are two of the things that I think, you know, everybody can kind of take doing this act is part of my identity is who I am. And that's, I just have to kind of internalize that. And the other, you know, forcing yourself to do it, which means having a system that, that gets you in, in removes all the friction to getting that task done. Now, whether that's, you're going to write, we'll use that example again, I'm going to write a joke every day. Okay. The night before I'm going to set out my pad paper at the desk, at my table, whatever. And I'm just going to get in that chair and, and make it happen. It can be five minutes and then, then I'm done. But make the system work so you can get these things going and, and see where the momentum takes you. Yeah. It's like I, a couple of writers that I've studied 
And they, they treat writing like it is their job, right? They don't wait for inspiration to hit. They wake up and at eight o'clock, they go sit down at their desk and they start writing. Um, why? Because that's what writers do. Writers write. And, and to your point, it's like, and that's how they're like, how do you, how do you beat writer's block? I sit down and write. And it's like, cause they don't have to necessarily write. Like if I'm, if you're gonna write a book and you've got writer's block, well, you can just write about anything, right? You don't have to make progress on the book that day. You just, you just write. And that stirs up the creativity. Um, that's how you get past the writer's block is you, is you just write period. And I, and you're the identity piece. And, and that statement is like such a critical thing. And, and again, I know some of the stuff that we talk about every now and then um, sounds cheesy. Like you said, well, I, I row, that's what I do. Well, that sounds cheesy. Well, again, the question I've been asking since you asked it probably five months ago, what's the alternative, right? Because if you don't say that, you're not going to get out of bed. You're not going to row. Uh, if, if you don't call yourself a writer, you're not going to get up and write because you're going to tell yourself that you're not a writer, which gives you an excuse to not do it. And so it's saying like, if I'm, if I want to be this kind of person, I need to, I need to declare that I am that kind of person, which means now I have to live into that, right? I've, I've got to do what that kind of person would do. Um, we may have talked about this on a, on a previous podcast, but James Clear, uh, author of Atomic Habits, his, his 321 newsletter goes out every Thursday. Um, it's a great newsletter. He had a little story in it probably two months ago uh, about some guy who was studying the story, stories that people tell about themselves. And so as, as you listen to people talk, they tell stories about themselves, right? Some people are always the victim and something's always going wrong against them. Some people are, are they think they're the hero and they're the great, you know, whatever. But people people talk certain ways about themselves and it's because they believe a certain story about themselves. And so this guy said, he just decided not James clear this, this person in the story, this guy decided I'm going to be the happiest person that anybody uh, I know has ever met. Like he just decided he's going to be the happiest person that people meet. And he goes, and what's crazy is like how that actually manifests. Like he's, he, he became happier. He decided to be happy. So I'm, every time I meet someone, like they're gonna walk away thinking, "Man, that guy's insanely happy." He goes, "And I, and it, it like that's the story I told him. I'm a happy person, <laughs> so that means I'm gonna live that happy life." And I, again, I know that sounds cheesy, but it's like you, it, it's it's you just you have to. And here's a, here's a, something I've been thinking about recently that kind of ties into that is um, at first it's a decision that you have to make repeatedly, right? Because a you have this vision. I want to be healthy. I want to be a rower. I want to be an author. I want to, you know, whatever it is, I want to have a great team culture. Um, I want to run a marathon. So you have this, this, this goal, but you're not there, right? You, this vision is of who you want to become, but you're still down here. Not, not to beat yourself up, just to be honest about where you're starting. And so you have to decide repeatedly to do the things that that kind of person would do. Well, at some point that, be, that becomes who you are. And, and because that's who you are, that shapes your decision. Like you don't have to necessarily think about like for a while, you've got to make decisions about rowing. I don't know what that, and that's different for every, every person, right? It could be after a week, you're locked in, could be a month, could be six months. Um, but eventually it's like, no, you don't think about it. You just wake up and you row. Cause that's what you're not deciding to. It's just, it's a natural outflow now of who you've become. And so at some point you cross that tipping point of I'm deciding to be this. Well, now I am this, um, but that's a that's a, a process, right? It, it takes a long time to get there and to have the discipline to keep showing up when it's really difficult, when you don't feel like, because it's easy to show up when you feel like it, right? Um, right? Everyone shows up when they feel like it, but to say like, man, I'm tired today. doesn't matter. I row in the morning. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. And if, and you're right, it does feel kind of, kind of cheesy and, and you can kind of scoff at it, but think about the opposite too, that, you know, nobody gets overweight, after a weekend of eating, you know, it's, it's those decisions you make. It's the, the Twix bar instead of the apple over five years, 10 years, you know, the, the, that caused that. So, you know, I think the, the other way about this is sometimes stopping those small losses, you know, that come the other way, you know, where maybe your small win for today is, I don't know, think of an example, not putting sugar in your coffee, right? You know, cause you say, I got to drink too much sugar, I'm just not going to drink it anymore. I, you know, I'm going to take it out of my tea. I'm going to have unsweetened tea. I'm going to have black coffee, whatever. So once you, once you kind of give in and say, well, I just, I'll just put some sugar in. Then it's easier to do it tomorrow. And it's easier to, once you get like, Hey, I haven't done it in three days. You know, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't put sugar in my coffee. I don't, uh, I don't have that candy bar from the machine after lunch, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's all, it's in the same category, right? It's the small things that add up to, 
to, to what you can do. So there's there's the do list and there's the do not list, but both of them are, are kind of small wins. And you, know, you shouldn't treat, they're actually really should be treated the same, you know, not doing something negative. You can treat that as, as the same as doing something positive. And maybe you need to start with that. Maybe you need to start just removing the negative before you jump into the, the, the positive. You know, it's, a, it's the example about working out of, you know, just, just walk around the block a couple of times. Nobody has time to work out. Take 10 minutes and walk around the block. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, after a couple of days, you know, you've, you've done that. You've made that part of your process and part of your routine. And, you know, it, it can go from there. And I think, I think being able to have the wins is just such a powerful, just a, it, it just feels good. Like you can say, I did, I checked my boxes this week. You know, even if they're small, you're going to feel good on Friday. Once you say that I've done that Monday through Thursday and then I did it Friday. Nice. The week is complete. So, you know, I think, I think there's two ways to kind of look at it, but they, they need to be tangible and they need to be things that, that matter. And, you know, they, they do need to matter for you all. We're kind of saying that, you know, the big end goal is not what you should be focusing on day to day. You have the blinders on day to day, but you need to, you do, it is important to have that kind of why of why you want to do this and why this is important. Maybe that comes into play again, while you're trying to get out of the morning to get the workout in that, you know what, I could lay in bed and, but, you know, again, that's not what I do. I do something different. I get up, I, I work out. So yeah, it, it's super powerful. And, and that's why too, like, let's think about weight loss or just getting healthy. Um, I think it's important of, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that it's best to say, I want to lose 30 pounds or, you know, whatever. Say I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a healthy person because what happens is if you set that goal of, like how many people lose 30 pounds and then gain 40 pounds, right? Because the commitment wasn't to become a healthy person. The commitment was, was to, to be disciplined for a season. Uh, I read, I heard a great story recently of a guy saying like he actually, and I've, I've used the word already a couple of times in, in our conversation, but this guy's like, I don't like the word discipline. It's like don't discipline yourself because then it feels like a negative. Uh, he's like, just make it a lifestyle. This is something you're pursuing and becoming. And so, yeah, you, you're you not trying to lose 30 pounds. You're trying to be a healthy person. You know what happens to a healthy person is they're going to lose that 30 pounds, but they're also going to be healthy two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. Um, and so making it, making it where it's, it's a lifestyle, which is what rowing, it's like, it's probably not about a specific weight loss or it's like, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be stronger. I'm just going to put you in a better mindset. Like all the, all the positives that, that come from that. Um, which makes it a win. And so it's easy to, I think, people to focus on the negative of it. Of, oh, this is going to be so difficult. Um, but but the, the thing that you've never regretted is getting on that rowing machine. I've never regretted going right. for a run. No matter how miserable I felt at the beginning, right? It's like I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm whatever. You know, three quarters of a mile into a run, I've never regretted it. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm out here. Now I want to keep running. And, that's, and, and you remind yourself of that. It's like, wait, no, I do. Why do I? why do I enjoy this? I enjoy this because I'm healthy and because I'm a runner and this is what healthy people and running people do. And I hated running my whole life, right? Like we've talked about before. I played basketball. Running was always punishment. And I think this is an important thing too. Um, as you're telling yourself this better story, you are, you are literally rewiring your brain, right? Cause your, your brain has formed this like neural pathway of you being an unhealthy person of you being not good enough, of you being whatever story you told yourself. Um, I've been reading a book called <clears throat> Hardwiring Happiness. And happiness is kind of a weird word. Um, but the idea is like your mind tells your brain what your mind should think, if that makes sense. And too often, we just tend to the negative. And so our mind tells our brain to think negative thoughts. So it sends negative thoughts to our mind. And it just becomes this loop of negativity that, that limits us, that holds us back. Um, and that's, it, as with anything, it's not going to change overnight. Right, you have to start choosing to see the positive, choosing to talk better to yourself, and so it's almost like you're choosing. You are forcing your mind to tell your brain to think something positive, and the more you do that, it rewires that neural pathway. For that's that's who you start to become. You start to lean towards the positive. You start to lean towards the healthy versus leaning towards the negative or the unhealthy. Well, then that shapes all of your actions, right? Because your thoughts shape your actions, which shape your reality. And so, if you can get into a better mindset and commit to that. Um, instead of making it a sacrifice or a discipline or a negative thing where you're like um, starving yourself of something or it's like, no, I'm, I'm giving myself life. <laughs> I was like by, by rowing, by running, by whatever, um, by becoming a better leader, like 
I'm not just denying my own agenda. No, I'm creating opportunities for other people and for myself and I'm making things easier and I'm building influence. Um, and so I think the mindset that goes into that is also just, just really significant. Um, but again, that it takes time to kind of rewire the story that you tell yourself. Yeah. And I like what you say about, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be setbacks. And I was, I was doing a little bit of reading about this kind of topic and, and found a story it was uh, somebody in a, in the healthcare world saying that their job as a change agent was to electrify their colleagues while being careful not to electrocute them. If we want to stick on the wiring uh, theme, which uh, <laughs> I thought was pretty good. Uh, you know, and, that, and that's because you need them to be excited about what's going on. But then if you say, I don't know, your company is going to take down Time Warner Cable or some giant and you're going to beat them like the first time there's a setback, man, that feels impossible. How am I going to do that? How are we going to, how am I going to lose 30 pounds? You know, when, when, you know, after the first week you might've been doing everything right. And that weight might not come off right away or it might not come out forever. Maybe your, maybe your goals weren't the right thing. You know, maybe the, you know, maybe you're just, you know, I think most people being healthy is, is something I think everybody can do, but there's going to be some people who's, you know, body is just not going to be wire thin. I mean, I, you know, look at the two of us. I don't think I'd ever be as, as like thin and lean as you are. We're just built differently. You know, it's, it, I could be in my best shape and it's not going to look like yours, you know? And again, it's, it's, so I think that's another problem when you take it to such a big, you know, high level of like these massive goals if you, if they're not realistic, you're just setting yourself up for all sorts of, of trouble. So again, we talk about process all the time and, and, and that's really where both of us, you know, we're, we're huge believers in it. And we know that's really the only way to get anything done in the long term. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta start thinking that, Hey, you know what, maybe the goals I'm setting for myself aren't realistic or, you know what, a lot of people set goals that they don't have ultimate control over. And I think that's another thing. And we talk a lot about this too, these kind of stoic premises of, of not desiring things that you can't control hundred percent. I was thinking about, you know, the elections coming up. Um, and I was thinking about how many people probably are out there in politics or, or whatever saying, I, my goal is to be the president of the United States or whatever, you know, I want to be president. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work doggedly to get it. And, you know, there's been presidents who've said that. I, I read a lot of presidential biographies. I've read ones of Johnson and Nixon. They both knew they wanted to be president very early and did basically literally anything possible to get there. But there, at the end of the day, that's relying on all sorts of other problems. You know, if you were going to be running, think you were going to run for president in 1952 as a Republican, there's nothing you can do about Dwight Eisenhower coming in as a war, war hero and, you know, universally popular. You're not going to beat them. You're not going to, you know, they just can't do it. There's going to be somebody else. So when you put a goal that, you know, just might not have the control of, you set yourself up for frustration and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I want this one job at this company. If I can't be CEO of Netflix, I'm a failure, you know, and, and we kind of glorify that in the, in the society sometimes of saying he had this goal and he just did nothing would stop him and he had to get there. But those are the only people you hear about. You don't hear about the people who are broken and never got to it, but either found, you know, peace or found something else that they, that they wanted to do, or, you know, just realized that, you know, I couldn't control being the CEO of this. I can't give myself that job. I can put myself in position to be a candidate for that, but the person who's doing the hiring might be best friends with the other candidate. I don't know, you know, a million things. There's a, there's a million things that you can't control. So I think that, is another part and another reason why these small wins, if you focus on these small things you can do and can control, you know, all these goals should be things that you can control. Don't say, I want to get a 5% raise. Look what happened in the economy. Look what happened. You know, you could get laid off and there's, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people. There has been a lot of people who've lost their jobs in this. They didn't control that. They, they might not have done nothing wrong. The, 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 the overwhelming factors just got there, which again, why these small wins and why we're focusing on this, especially now in these, I uh, hate the phrase, but these unprecedented times and these things that we think have never happened, but have actually been happening to people for, for generations and millennium, really, you know, you have to be able to just focus on what you can control. And you know what, if you can go to bed tonight saying, I did two or three little things that I could control and that'll make me better. Hey man, that's a win. That's, that's, that's what you should be doing. And, you know, you can, you'll, you'll feel better. And again, like we keep saying, once you quit string those together, 
good things happen. They might not be the thing you think was going to happen, but if you identify and make the right type of, of mini goals and, and little mini uh, wins, good things are going to happen. I can guarantee that. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, want to be president. Well, how, how many millions of people have wanted to be president that never became president? Right? It's like, are they failures? Of course not. Um, they, they just set an unrealistic goal that was completely out of their control. And so I think that's a really, really key point of um, not necessarily setting attainable goals, because um, you want to set goals that stretch you, but set goals that are within your control. Because right? if that goal is, is if, if to achieve that, requires somebody else to get involved, then you're, you're in trouble, right? Like you, me becoming president involves a whole lot, whole lot of different scenarios and factors. I, again, I can do everything right and never be president. I can do everything right and not be the starting quarterback. I can do everything right and not win the football game. I can, you know, so it's, there's so many things out of your control. So it's like, what can you, where can you commit to a process, but remove yourself from certain outcomes? Kind of like, you know, let, let's say, um, who was the national title game last year? Was it Clemson and LSU? Is that right? I believe so. LSU and somebody. I've I've slept a little bit since then. I had some coffee. So <laughs> feels like a long time ago. It feels like it feels like 1975. Um, but they could have both played the perfect like as their best game. Somebody's gonna lose, is, and somebody did lose. Does that mean that that person is a loser? Is a failure? No. Their best wasn't good enough that day. That's all right. That doesn't mean you're like fired up, like that you lost, but it's like realizing, man, I gave, I I did the work. I gave my best, wasn't good enough today. What can I learn? How can I move forward? And and even to have the the value of this, this practice of reflection to say, what what can I learn from the process? And to look back and say like, in sports, it's really difficult, this comparison game. Cause like, well, don't compare yourself. Well, they beat us. I have to compare myself to them because they're, they're better. Well, they're better that day, right? If you line up the two top teams and play them 10 times, who knows what happens, right? They, they play once. That's just, just how life goes. Uh, but this comparison game is so deadly when it comes to getting better, when it com- comes to anything. Um, but instead to have reflection to say, man, I started there and I got all the way to here. That's a lot of progress. That's a lot of small wins that got me to this place. I should be grateful for that. Now, what can I learn to keep growing, to keep building, to keep moving? And so that's, that's such a critical thing that, that, that you said. Of, your goals have to be within your control. They should stretch you. They should be difficult. But again, I'm going to take out, I'm, you know, I can't say we're going to be a $5 million company. Maybe. It's like, and, or, or what if the goal this year, what, what if, what if I said, you know, last year we did 4 million, this year we're going to do 5 million. Well, then a global pandemic hits, <laughs> but we're still doing all the right things, but a global pandemic hit. Well, it's like, that, that's life. You're still doing, you're still doing the things that flow from your identity of being this kind of person, this kind of company, regardless of, of the outcome. Uh, I want to tell a quick story or I'll try to tell it quickly. So there was a call recently with Jesse Itzler, who's part owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he started and sold marquee jets. He's an author speaker, um, really interesting guy to learn from. And so he had a call recently where he told this story and he said, this is the best advice he's had in the past 10 years. So he, he does, um, endurance events, not marathons, like ultra marathons, 50, hundred mile, insane stuff. And so he and this former NFL player were training for a 50 mile race, um, and they couldn't get past mile 38. And, and part of the, this has become his lifestyle, this endurance, this fitness, it's the way he eats his exercise. So yeah, he does these events where he has specific goals, but it's an outflow of like who he naturally is and who he's committed his, his, uh, to this lifestyle. So they keep maxing out at 38 miles, right? And so they, they're just frustrated. They're saying that out loud, like 38s are max. Uh, they had to get to 50. And so they found this former Navy SEAL who, they, who they'd seen had taken a guy from running five miles to running 100 miles. And they're like, that's insane. He just, he just 20X that guy. I want him to 20X my life, my finances, my business, my family, my everything. And so they flew him out for the weekend so they, he could get them over the hump. So night one, they're hanging out. And, and the guy doesn't really say anything. They're like, okay, this is what, what, do, what do we get into? This guy is not giving us any advice and we're running like tomorrow's our practice day. Like he gave us no tips, no nutrition, nothing. At the end of the night, the guy says, all right, we're going to start at 0500. Uh, I'll see you guys at 445 in the kitchen. Great. So they show up in the morning. Say, okay, guys, today you're going to beat your personal best. You're going to blow through 50 miles. Here are the three rules. Number one, don't give your pain a voice. 
So in the process of this, you're going to get tired. You're going to hurt. And you're going to tell yourself that you're not good enough. You're going to tell yourself that you don't have what it takes. You're going to tell yourself that you can't do it. That's a lie. You're not going to say those things. Every time I ask you how you're doing, you're going to say, I feel terrific. Because, because if you believe those things about yourself, you've, you've already limited yourself. And, and, and as a runner, like, I know this is true. If I say like, oh gosh, I can't go five miles. I'm not going to go five miles. Right? If, I, if I say like the best I can do today is a, is a 5K, I'm, I'm going to struggle just to get to 5K, but I'm certainly not going to go beyond that. So it's like, you're not going to give your pain a voice. Whenever I ask you how you're doing, you feel terrific. Number two, I said, no, no cursing, no negative talk. He said, every time I ask you, or every time you come around for a lap, you're going to tell me something that you're grateful for, right? right? You can't be grateful and negative at, at the same time. So stirring up like, gratitude gives you energy. Like that's, I don't know if that's science, but like, I've genuinely felt that. Like if I'm running and I start thinking of things I'm grateful for, like I, I genuinely, like I have more energy on, on runs. He said, number three, don't die in the chair. Basically don't be a spectator in life, right? Get off the bench, get in the game. And so it's like, that's it. They're like, wait, that's it. Like not nutrition. Like you're not going to help me with my cadence, like my, my form. That's it. He said, sure enough, that day they both blew through 38 miles, blew through 50 miles. So day one of training with this guy, the only thing that changed is the way that they thought. Just in, insane, right? So every lap was like, I don't get to, I don't, I, I feel terrific. I'm grateful for this. I, how do you feel? I feel terrific. And they just kept going, kept going, kept going. 38 was their max. They blew through 50. So fast forward 30 days, Jesse and this coach are now doing a hundred mile event. And they're 75 miles in again, which is double what he could have done 30 days before. And he's, he's just toast. And he catches up with his coach and, and the guy's like, man, you know what? His coach saying this is, you know, what's crazy. He's like, I don't get tired. Isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever heard? He's like, I don't get tired. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm tired. He's like, no, what? No, you're not because you don't get tired either. He's like, no, I'm tired. He's like, no, you don't get tired. We don't get tired. Tell me. He's like, I don't get tired. He's like, no, tell me. He's like, I don't get tired. He goes, that's right. You don't get tired. We don't get tired. There's a med tent quarter mile from here. We're going to go in, get our Gatorade, get our snacks. We're going to tell those workers that our secret that we don't get tired. And then we're going to finish. Okay, I was like, what in the world? And again, I know all this is like super cheesy, but I'm going to go back to it. What's the alternative, right? Limit yourself, not achieve your goals, not, not live into your potential. And so sure enough, they go to the med tent and get their Gatorade. They look at the volunteer workers like, you know what? We have a secret. It's kind of a miracle, actually. We don't get tired. Isn't that just the weirdest thing you ever heard of? We don't get tired. And of course, the workers are like, you are weirdos, which anybody doing a 100-mile event, by the way, is a weirdo. Uh, and like, I've read stories like ultra marathoners and like, they're literally hallucinating. Like, I first sure people are running and they see a casket <laughs> running next to them. <laughs> like their mind just plays tricks on them. The craziest things in the world. And so it takes a certain level of crazy. So they, they leave the med tent and the guy's like, for the next 25 miles, like whenever that pain set in, we, we would just yell, we don't get tired. And, and they finished. And so the point again is like, A, you can do hard things. B, you can get better. C, you've got to have the right mindset. Uh, but all along the way, he's like, we just had these small wins, right? He didn't start out running 100 miles. He started out probably 10, 15 years ago running a mile and then three and then five. And he changed the way he ate. Again, that became a lifestyle for him to where now those daily wins, it's like, man, that's just, that's just part of everyday life. Um, and it propels him to do things that he never thought he was capable of doing. Yeah. It's an awesome story. And, uh, anybody who doubts that self-talk really does matter again, it's one of those things that took a while for me to, to kind of come around on. And, and, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but it, it makes such a big difference when you're, what you're telling yourself. You know, again, and, and again, the story about that, you know, it's not about pushing yourself to unsafe levels. I mean, we'll, we'll caveat this all about, uh, you know, you have to listen to your levels, your, your body, you have to listen to your body about, you know, being safe and things like that. But there is that reserve almost without doubt in every person that you've gone that extra step and everybody's done it, whether it was the wind sprints, like, you know, I played basketball like you did and running, I still hate running because it was always a punishment and, and, you didn't think you'd ever get through that last set of wind sprints, but yeah, you did. You, you got through it, and and you always always did. And you always will. Um, it is just about recalibrating a little bit about that. And 
I've done that same thing again, bring it back to, to what I do. You know, sometimes it's, man, I'm really struggling today. It just doesn't feel right. Just give me five more minutes. Just get to that, whatever next 10 minute marker is. And, you know, more times than not, you kind of get by that and okay, I get another groove and I'm going through. And, and that's what a lot of this is, is knowing when, when to try to draw in that little extra uh, bit of energy and that little bit of extra that you need. Um, Cause it's usually there. It's not always there, but it's usually there. Yeah. And it's, you know, my wife, she works out all the time and her mindset is 10 more seconds. I, I can just get 10 more seconds and I can get another 10 seconds and I can get another 10 seconds. And, and you're right. And, and by the way, when I, when I say um, for anyone hearing this, you know, don't give your pain a voice, really talk about the mental pain, right? Physical pain. Like if you've injured, if you're running and like you've injured your leg or your knee, it's like, yes, stop, listen to your body, shut it down. Um, but you've got to be able to differentiate where that's actual doubt creeping in and not physical pain. I'm um, telling you like your knee hurts. Well, does it like it, it might, or it might be your body is trying to make excuses to get you to, to shut down and, and not achieve the things that you're wanting to achieve. And, and I would, I would say, you know, whoever's listening to this, like one, you're stronger than you think. If, if you think through every difficult thing that you've ever faced in your life, um, sitting here today, that means you've overcome everything. You've overcome everything that you've ever faced in your life, whatever. And that may not have looked how you want it to look, right? That's not, that's not the point of any of this, like success and growth and progress rarely looks how we want it to look. Um, but you've overcome everything that you've ever faced because you're sitting here today. Maybe you've been fired. Maybe you've been jobless. Maybe you've been homeless. Maybe you've all sorts of drama, like life happens, right? Life is difficult and all sorts of obstacles show up. Like, but you, you've overcome every one of them. And so, so as you set out on these goals, as you set out to create new lifestyles, realize like you actually do have what it takes because that, that doubt and that fear is going to set in. It's like, no, you're not good enough. No, you can't do this. Like, no, you've overcome everything. Um, and so to remind yourself that, again, that, that power of reflection to say, no, actually, yep, I got through that and I got through that and I got through that. I can, I can do this. But you don't have to get, you don't have to do it today. You don't have to get through it today, right? You get a little bit further down the road. Um, and those small wins become such significant. Like, I think something we haven't really talked about, but you have to celebrate those small wins, right? When, when there's no big wins to be had, small wins are everything. And so every small win you get, like, you should celebrate that with yourself, with your team, whatever that looks like. Like, make sure you're celebrating those small wins. Yeah, that's, that is a really good point. That's probably a good thing to kind of finish on. Um, and I think that's for people who are managing a team, you know, especially now when you're maybe a little bit more detached, when everybody's going through things that you don't understand, we're about to hit the school time again, where, you know, people who have kids might have to be watching them during the day, schools closed, schools open, all these kind of things. So it's just getting through the day without, without losing it is a, is a win, you know, and, you know, again, don't, don't set the, the bar too low, but I think, you know, you have to celebrate the things that when you get there and you hit this, this thing, that's part of creating the, the cycle, the virtuous cycle of, of these things kind of uh, spin wheeling and the flywheeling of, uh, of good habits and good, good routines. Um, yeah, definitely celebrate them um, as they go. It's, it's really important to, to keeping that momentum going. All right. Really good conversation today. Um, enjoyed it. You know, we started talking out about small wins and I think, you know, it, it kind of led to some interesting and some interesting topics. You know, there's a lot, hopefully everybody finds some truth for themselves in this and uh, hopefully everybody can, can identify a few small things. And I guess that would be our challenge. You know, we try to end these things on challenges, but you know, find a, find a small thing that you can do for the next 14 days and commit to doing it. And, you know, we'd love to hear what they are. I think that's another part, get some accountability, you know, tell somebody about it. And then, and then you're on the hook, you know, that's part of your identity. So Kevin, what was your biggest kind of takeaway from this topic? Yeah, I think it's, it's the more you can make it a lifestyle, right. And, and we, we, we too often celebrate the big wins and make life about the big wins. Um, when those are, I mean, let's be honest, those are few and far between. I don't mean that to be negative, but those, those big moments, that's just, that's, that's very, very few moments in life. Um, life is made up of the, of the little moments of the little wins. And so that means those moments are significant. Um, don't, don't discount a small win, right? A small win moved you forward and, and, it, and it made you better. Um, so celebrate those, look for those, commit to small wins, 
a, a mentor one time said, you take care of the little things, you really have to worry about the big things. And that's true with process, with, with progress and getting better as well. Like just focus on the little things. And that's it's a good reminder for me because that's not my nature. That's not my personality. I tend to overlook the little moments and the, the small things throughout the day. But if you can commit to small wins, I mean, small wins add up. Right. And before you know it, you look up and you're a healthier person. Um, you're a better leader. You're, you've published a book. You know, whatever it is that you're wanting to do, when you commit to those habits and you commit to that process, suddenly you become, you become that person. So I love your, your challenge of take the next 14 days and, and whatever your thing is, right? Say, I'm going to do this for the next 14 days. It could be um, instead of getting McDonald's at lunch, you're going to have a smoothie or whatever, something healthy. Um, it could be instead of drinking a pop or Coke or soda or whatever you call it in your neck of the woods, um, you drink water. It could be you wake up and you do 100 push-ups, 20 push-ups, five push-ups. It could be you wake up and read and journal or write, you know, whatever it is, commit to something. And, I, and I'll say to add that, don't make it a burden, right? Do something that's doable. So don't, if, if, you, if you've not been on this journey of like, let's just say getting healthy, don't say, okay, for the next 14 days, I'm going to run three to five miles every day. You're not going to do that. Um, maybe you start by running a half mile. You say for the next 14 days, right? You just say for the next 14 days, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes, right? And, and you you gradually move into other things. So make it doable so that you can get a win, so that you can, at the end of those 14 days, you're encouraged. You're like, wait, no, I've got this. Otherwise, you're, you're going you're gonna to burn out in two days. I really like the idea of putting a time on that, like you said, like five minutes. Like just put, if you're thinking about this and saying, I'm going to try to come up with something, limit yourself. Say it's going to be five minutes. Five minutes, you don't have it choice, right? Like there's no way you can't fit five minutes into your schedule. So again, like micro these goals, put them into really small little pieces um, and then piece them together. So yeah, try to try to come up with some specifically and then say, Hey, it's only going to take five minutes. It's five minutes in front of the computer. It's five minutes meditating. It's five minutes of pushups. That's it. It's simple, right? Give, give yourself five minutes. And one thing I do, by the way, I've been in this for about three years, um, a friend kind of gave me this advice. The first thing I do in the morning is drink a cup of water. So like the first thing I do is make a good decision, right? So the, the first thing of my day is water is good for you, right? You need water. Um, so before I do anything, like I walk downstairs before I make my coffee, before I do, I, I, I walk downstairs and get a cup of water. So instantly I have a win in my mind. Like I've already started my day off by making a good decision. Now I can build from that. So find, find the simple wins. Yeah. That may not seem like a big deal, but, um, some simple wins add up. So thanks for hanging out with us. Episode 44 of the sports leadership podcast. Find us on social media. If you guys have questions, comments, um, shoot them our way. We'd love to hear from you. I'm at Kevin DeShazo. He's Mark underscore Hodgkin. Give us a rating, like all that fun stuff on uh, the podcast platforms, wherever you listen to this beautiful show, and we will see you guys next time.